in the choice between being right and being loving, choose being loving. It's so rewarding mm -hmm. to be loving in those moments. When we apologize, it gives space for the other to then look at their own issues and yeah. say, okay, maybe I have a little moment of self-reflection here. In the absence of all of that static, you can see all the gifts in it and take care of yourself. Welcome, I'm Alyssa Nobriga, your host of the Healing and Human Potential podcast, a place for you to discover the multidimensionality of what it means to be human. Over the past 20 years, I've trained thousands of coaches in my methodology, leveraging my experience as a former psychotherapist, and I'm here to share with you all the wisdom and insights that I've learned along the way. Each week, I'll share with you life-changing tools to support you in awakening and manifesting your dream life from the inside out. We'll be exploring the intersection between ancient wisdom and modern everyday life, really diving deep into the art of human potential through the lens of psychology, spirituality, and coaching. Let's let the magic unfold. I have a very special guest joining me today on the podcast, somebody that I deeply love and admire. I am welcoming back my husband, Emilio. Him and I did an episode last year sharing about our love story, and we got so much beautiful feedback on that episode that I wanted to bring him back again for round two. In today's episode, we're getting more personal. We're sharing behind the scenes about our real life experiences and obstacles that we're currently working through and answering your questions that you submitted to us on Instagram. So thank you for those. So you're a popular guest. I'm so happy that you're here again. <laughs> and we got some questions from Instagram that I thought we'd just dive into. So the first one is, can you share a piece of advice that's been invaluable to sustaining a long lasting marriage or partnership? And for me, the first one that comes forward is that the honeymoon phase shows you what's possible when you do the healing work. So like the honeymoon phase doesn't have to end. It actually can keep getting better when we do the work within ourselves to maintain and integrate some of the shadow work. I thought that was powerful. Mm, I love that. I, and and I, I think I, I wonder what the honeymoon face because it has many flavors right? yeah and it's got the flavor of effervescence and newness and excitement and i think it's it's unrealistic to expect things to always feel new mm -hmm. and effervescent yeah and i think there's a particular quality of the beginning that is fun and alive it is yeah, yeah. and and it can nurture and become part of the ingredient with which you continue making your relationship recipes. Mm -hmm. um, and I think part of the challenge that some people face is that because it is so, um, such a high, mm -hmm. people can get addicted to that yeah. and chase that. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And I think part of what makes it high is that, um, that everything is new. Mm -hmm. right? And I think there is a way in a long-term relationship to perceive each other with that curiosity. In the newness. Yeah. Yeah. Even in our vows, didn't you say something like, I hope I keep discovering you anew each day, mm -hmm. something like that? Yeah. Yeah, I think bringing that freshness and aliveness. The other thing that I heard that was really powerful, and I don't know this, if maybe it came from you reading a book when the kids were really young, learning to be with the emotional part first before going into logistics and fixing. So like dropping into the heart, mirroring each other emotionally, and then going in. So anybody that may be a fixer in the relationship, typically, stereotypically, this has been men. 
So for anybody that can relate to this, to drop in and mirror the person emotionally, like I really get that that's hard for you, mm-hmm. or I, I can see that this is tender and really meeting emotionally first and then talking about logistics, because oftentimes it's not really the thing that we're talking about. It's like, we'll get into this, but it's not really about the trash, the person not taking out the trash. It's really about what's getting triggered inside of us around that, that we want to really focus on. So mirroring and meeting us emotionally, each other, you know, even being a couples therapist, I never really wanted to work with kids. And I got clear that we all have a little kid inside that's still looking for attention and love. And as we learn to meet that, it makes it easier to do in the relationship. So that has been a really powerful and helpful reminder, even now coming back to being with the parts of me that get tender or mirroring that in you and then going into logistics. You like it when I meet you first, huh? I, I like it when you meet me first, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think I think it's most of the time we're not looking for someone to solve things for us. Yeah. My experience with you and... I think it is it is a gender dynamic mostly, uh, but it's not necessarily that that as a as a as a guy I was trained to fix, mm-hmm. and if you're approaching me with something, my basic instinct is let me make it better. Yeah, and ninety nine percent of the time that's not really what you're looking for. Yeah, I mean in some ways I am at some point. Oh. But I want to be met emotionally first, you yeah. know, where it's And I think like, we should explain what meeting emotionally. Okay, sure. So, so what that usually looks like, cause it's, it's more like meeting you and where you're at yeah, and honoring exactly where you're at and really feeling like I'm, I'm there for you and, and you're being heard, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because you may be going through something emotionally and I don't necessarily need to know how to meet you emotionally. Yeah. But just to meet you in wherever you are. And reflect that. And reflect that. To say that. like, I see you, I get it, and I'm I'm with you on that level. Yeah. Even if it's stress. Yeah. And I think what what's coming forward is that sometimes, for example, it, there may be something that for you seems really big or emotional. Mm-hmm. And even though it may not seem big or emotional for me, I don't need to agree with, with right. what you're... I just... But just reflecting that and acknowledging, I think, is, is what we find most valuable. Yeah. And I remember reading in Conscious Loving from Gay and Katie Hendricks, they said something about microscopic truth. So sometimes we don't have to have the answer or even know what to say other than just share. When you say that, I notice I feel a, a nervousness in my heart or butterflies in my stomach. Sharing microscopically your present moment experience creates a deep level of intimacy. Mm-hmm. So I loved that as well. Yeah. Another question people asked was, well, what are you, what are you most proud of when it comes to each other? That's sweet. Mm. What are you most proud of? What comes forward for me is the way that you father. Mm. It's one of the things that I'm most proud of in you. I know how important parenting is. And I know that that sets the stage and we'll bring you back on to talk about parenting and some other beautiful things that you just operate so naturally in the world, but even the way that you parent each of the kids differently, it helps to parent a part of me. So what, you know, giving them the freedom to be totally different and support their uniqueness is such a gift. And I can feel your protection, the safety, the presence that you parent from 
and your humility and your humanity, being able to apologize when something feels off or sharing microscopically your journey of parenting with them um, and just your ability to do the work. I think that's one of the greatest gifts, the things that I admire in you. Thank you. Yeah. What comes forward for me is how you honor your truth and how uh, you continue to become just a brighter version of who you've always been by honoring that truth. Mm. Even when it's been uh, counter-cyclical in some ways. Mm. Uh, you started out from a very early age on a spiritual path when it wasn't popular. Not just wasn't popular in the ethos, but it wasn't popular certainly with your generation at that age. Yeah. And then in the middle of all of that, you went, <laughs> face first into business and mm -hmm. and that wasn't popular in the spiritual circles that mm -hmm. you were coexisting in and and yet it was your truth yeah and i think is that drive to honor that impulse that has made you so successful at sharing all of the gifts that you have to share thanks baby yeah, and although that sometimes is hard for me as your partner, mm -hmm. I, I, there's a there's a part of me that sometimes misses you when you're actively engaged in doing, but I so honor and appreciate. Yeah, that level of commitment. Thank you. Yeah, and let's talk about that. Um, just triggers. Somebody was asking about triggers. Like, is it important to know your partners? I think it's important to know our own self-awareness, but also our partners so we can hold a clear and loving space for each other. So even sharing more transparently and vulnerably about us. So last night we did therapy, which by the way, is phenomenal and plug for personal development work or healing work always. That's I think one of the rituals and practices that we do well. Before anything is a problem or quote unquote bad, we proactively make time for therapy and for coaching and for growing. It's something that we both value and commit to maybe once a month, twice a month, maybe we'll do an immersion. And so rather than focusing on the surface level, you know, taking out the trash, for example, like my, it's not ours, but let's just say if a, a couple's like, you didn't take out the trash instead of focusing on the surface level conversation. Well, what's, what's coming up inside of me around that? Well, I don't feel valued. I feel taken advantage of, or I feel like they're inconsiderate. Then looking at, well, what's that pattern and where, where did it originate from? Where did it come from in childhood so that I can start to meet that part of me and, and start to heal it directly rather than unconsciously playing it out? So knowing that for me helps you, helps you and helps me not take it personally and hold a loving space. But even last night sharing, you know, one of my patterns that comes up in relationship at work is this idea that I have to do it myself if it's going to be done well. And then taking on a lot of over responsibility as a result of that. And so that can come up in our relationship. It shows up at work, which then will also affect if I'm taking too much on at work, then I am less present with us or myself. And I think one of the gifts of that is if you are affected by that and you share that with me, then I can pause to say, well, you're also mirroring a part of me that I'm abandoning or ignoring, which maybe wants more spaciousness or to play or to relax. And how do I hear that for myself 
how do I show up for you to love you and support you in healing whatever comes up inside of you around maybe not feeling important or prioritized or whatever the feeling is that comes up for you. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think, I think there is value in knowing your, your partner's triggers, mm -hmm. but there's also great value in, uh, I think when, when I'm focused on your triggers, yeah. I'm not focused on mine. That's right. That's right. And when I'm focused on your triggers or what's wrong with you, um, even though there may be truth behind it, then it's a subtle way of not taking full responsibility. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So good. I and love you. I love you too. And I think for me, for example, it's, and it's fascinating, right? Because as we've spoken, triggers will fit perfectly into each other, mm -hmm. right? Like you're, a puzzle. You're, yeah, like those puzzle pieces that you've referenced. So it's likely that my coping mechanisms around my trigger will bring up your coping mechanisms around your trigger. Mm -hmm. And if we are coping with each other, which is what a lot of relationships end up doing, they become coping relationships. It's very difficult. Yeah. Uh, it's just re-triggering. And when you stay on the surface, it ends up talking about we end up hurting each other through that. It's like jabbing and defense mechanisms rather than dropping into the vulnerability. Yeah, even if it's not obviously hurtful to the other, my my defense mechanisms, how I learned to to cope, was through self-reliance. Yes. Right? So, like I'll take care of myself. I don't need you. Type. Yeah, it's like mechanism. you're 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 triggered, or you're going through something, or yeah. I'm not getting what I need from the relationship right now. Let me go take care of myself. Mm -hmm. And I think there's there's wisdom in that. Yeah. And yet uh I think it's it's a tricky balance to understanding when that is serving and when that is actually uh mm -hmm. just a mechanism of of protection. protection. Yeah. Right? Because even the part of me that is also self-reliant and or over responsible takes on more than I need to she's capable. She knows she's capable. Like that's an amazing part and the part of you that's self-reliant that's a great strategy to a degree. And then it can also, if it's too much, it can hurt us and then either burn us out or um, feel isolated in some way if we're too self-reliant, right? So like honoring these parts of us and the wisdom of when they were created, that safety strategy and how they were created. Because I think people and parts of ourselves defend to the degree that they don't feel accepted. And so when we can accept them, we can say, thank you for taking care of me the best way you've known how to you or to these parts of me. They settle, they feel seen. And then another part, another aspect can come in to kind of balance it. So it's not isolating or lonely or um, tired or whatever the backfiring is. Yeah. And I think part of the value in understanding back to the question of understanding each other's triggers is that there can be a container created within the relationship where someone's defense mechanism may be I'm out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I think if there's an understanding of, okay, this is how he or she reacts when we're going through something. I know it's not personal. I know it's going to pass. I know it's going to bring up my own stuff of I'm out. Mm -hmm. So how, how do we navigate that consciously? Mm -hmm. And even having these conversations outside of a triggered state yeah. can support the, um, it's the containment the, I think the feeling of like, okay, we're, we're in this together, yeah. even when it feels hard. Yeah. So you don't go to the defensive mechanism, the trigger when you're in it, you kind of create a plan in advance. Yeah. Knowing what's, what sort of 
what your path, yeah. or your strategic defense mechanisms are. Yeah, because yeah. that's like living like a puppet. You say this, and then I pull my arm and react this way. Then you're living more consciously to say, here's our patterns. We're more aware. Let's cut that string so that we react consciously rather than through, you know, just the conditioned past. Yeah. And I think on that note, I think it's important not to, uh, it's very easy as a relationship to idealize other relationships. Yeah. And it's very easy to say, oh, they look like they never have something come up. Yeah. And I think normalizing that part of this human journey is navigating muck. And it's yeah. there's a lot of muck in our upbringing that, that particularly is looking to get resolved. And I think that the purpose of relationship is not to have a perfect state, is, is how do we navigate those things together? Very well knowing that it's going to be challenging at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somebody asked, like, if I feel unworthy and I'm working on it, how do I not trigger it in relationship? It's like, it's going to get triggered and that's okay. And like you, and I'm a fan of, there's two schools of thought, right? There's the do it, do the hundred percent responsibility, do the work on your own. And then there's, you can heal it in relationship. And I'm a yes and inside out. So yes, yes, learning the tools and ways to be with myself and the different parts of me that get triggered because there's no way anybody else is going to be able to do that a hundred percent of the time. And it feels more empowering to go direct, right? You call it insourcing. I teach that in the certification program now from your, your term insourcing, really taking care of those parts of ourselves. And then being able to also, if we have conscious partnership or a willing and available partner to also hold that safe space, to be with that tenderness, whether it be unworthiness, uh, just be feeling disposable, not important, whatever got triggered from childhood. But it really is less about the present moment trigger and more about what it's triggering inside of us. Mm-hmm. And somebody else asked, and you already answered it, but what's the best way to communicate with a partner who easily gets triggered in calm conversations? And essentially we have to work with the part of us that's triggered about our partner. Because if we try to change our partner so that then we're okay, we're then our partner's going to feel that agenda get more um, defensive and then it just kind of spirals from there. So it's like, how do I work with a part of me that's not okay with them not being okay? Yeah. And I think it's so tempting to jump into the practical. Yeah. Right? It's so tempting to say, well, this is the ABC of how you do it. This is how just communicate better. Just listen better. Just, yeah. and I think those are all incredibly important, but the common denominator. And, and I think what we're talking about is yes, but the, the, the underlying layer is, is what's really being called forward to, to be, to be sort of addressed. Yeah. And and many times it's just a simple acknowledgement of what's there. Yeah. Everything's looking to be met with love or acceptance just to be like I see you. You've done a lot. Yeah. And it softens. Ironically when you accept it it softens. Yeah, and this is to your point parenting, business, yes. colleagues, yes. friendships. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know the current stats, but when I was a couples therapist, it was something like 47% of divorces happen when the kids are five and under. Mm-hmm. So understanding the age stage that you're at, especially for long-term relationships. Okay. Our kids are young. I remember when the kids were young, it was a lot more challenging than it is now. It's different where if I had a startup, a different age stage and time of life, or we have aging parents, the different stages, we want to proactively create not only a way of being together that we prioritize having clearing conversations, making sure that our hearts are open to each other, not stuffing it under the rug, but especially when we're busy and when we need it, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when we're like, we can't, we don't have time. It's like, that's when we need it most so that those things don't build up. Yeah. Yeah. And we all know when we're off. Right? Yeah. We all know when we need to to tend to ourselves. 
and it tends to be the moments when we're like, I don't have time to tend mm-hmm. to myself. But, mm-hmm. but just, and, and even I think in relationship, that level of communication where you can say, you know, I'm just feeling off. Yeah. Uh, I think invites a greater tenderness. Yeah. Grace in the exchanges. I know some couples sit down and plan, and they're like, "Okay, I've got this launch coming up, busy time at work, or I've got this happening." We're not that couple, just because we don't really do that anyway. But however you are in life, use those gifts to work it for your relationship. So if you are the Excel type people, you know, talk about your calendars when things are busier and how you can proactively nurture. I think another thing that's important is understanding what's what's one way that you feel most loved? Like what's important to you? How do you receive love the most? Because as you know that, then we can fill it more easily, that cup, rather than just on, you know, either just giving the way that we receive love, but just like really nurture that regularly. And we've had different practices over time um, between reading in the mornings, like reading a spiritual book and just dropping into silence. We used to read A Thousand Names for Joy, Byron Katie's book. And then just, and it was the Tao Te Ching. It was one to three chapters. And we would, she's just hilarious. And we would just like open our hearts and just sit in silence and be together. That was one practice for a while. Or we've done personal development um, workshops or what, like 18 plus silent retreats, we've had different things that we've done that nurture us. And I think, you know, going on 15 years, it's like, okay, what are the things that we, as we grow and evolve, what are those shared values and how do we nurture that? What's important to both of us? Mm -hmm. It's not always going to be the same Yeah, and we're going to grow and evolve. Yeah. Yeah. And and when you were speaking, came forward that this, it really is not dependent on another, right? Like Mm -hmm. this, this relational quality of just this morning, I've been feeling a little bit under the weather and our oldest asked, uh, what are you doing to take care of yourself? Mm. And it was, it was, I know this, right? Yeah. And, and yet I, I often don't take a, a moment of reflection. I was like, what am I, what am I doing? I mean, I've, I've got a really good habits of taking care of myself. Yeah. It was like, Oh, is there, is there another way that I feel like I want to be loved right now mm. by myself? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what are those things that really nurture me? Because you don't need to be in relationship to, you, I mean, you're constantly in relationship yeah. with, with yourself, with the environment, with friends. So I think this is not romantic dependent. Yeah, It, it really does start with, with ourselves. It's like, oh, what do I, what am I really avoiding right now? And what needs to be met mm-hmm. within myself? Mm-hmm. And I think really diversifying self-care. So it's not just a bubble bath. Yes, there's physical care, but there's emotional, there's mental, mm-hmm. there's somatic. There's different ways that we can care for ourselves. And I think emotional is one of the most important in my eyes, my biased opinion. Mm-hmm. But yes, 100%. Imagine having a fulfilling career doing what you love, working from anywhere in the world, setting your own hours while making good money and a big impact. If that lights you up, then I'm super excited to share with you today's sponsor, the Institute for Coaching Mastery. This is my robust, accredited, year-long certification program for newer seasoned coaches, therapists, leaders, and those just looking to up-level their life in a profound way. We have an amazing community of students from all around the world who have really started their journey to expand with us both personally and professionally. And this experience is designed to give you the three things that you need to thrive. So first, you have all of the tools and support you need to move past what's been holding you back so that you can completely change the trajectory of your life. 
And then you learn how to masterfully and confidently facilitate transformation with your clients or your team, regardless of your niche. If you want to do health, business, relationship, or you just have no idea yet, we hold your hand through that. And then lastly, you'll receive my six figure and beyond signature roadmap that's customizable to meet you wherever you are. So whether you want to do high ticket sales, online marketing, or you just want to hit six figures without ever needing to go on social media, we've got you covered. And this truly is the most rewarding work in the world. We have new students now who have a waitlist of dream clients in under a year. We also have seasoned students who are doing $80,000 months. And this is really about creating lasting transformation from the inside out so that you can share your gifts and serve the world in all the ways that you're called to. And I've seen firsthand the power of what happens when you have the community to collaborate with, but you also have the right tools and resources to really thrive. And so whether you want to do your own personal development, you're wanting to become a coach, or you're just looking for a cutting edge approach to really grow your business, the Institute for Coaching Mastery is for you. You are held every single step of the way. And so if you want to get behind the scenes access to the Institute with three proven transformational tools for free to help you create the business and life you love, all you have to do is go to alissanobriga.com forward slash tools, or you can find us at alissanobriga.com forward slash apply now to see all the details and apply today. Something that I've noticed is that when there's an argument, it's almost like, and that can be with anyone, it's almost like there's an unconscious race to who can prove the point that I'm right first. And so to watch out for some of the egoic trance of like, I've, I prove my point, because when we do that, nobody really wins. And so being with that part that wants to be right or wants to be valid, to see it first and then to thank that part and then to really meet in presence, I think you start to overcome it. Some of those egoic pulls where it's like you or me versus we're on the same team. You know, we care about each other. How do we, how do we navigate this? And I think people need different things in clearing conversations or in arguments as well. And we talked about that on the last podcast, which I think was beautiful. A lot of people loved it. So definitely check it out. But it's like some people may need space for a moment and then to come back to the conversation. If you do that, just let your partner know how much time you need so it doesn't trigger more of their abandonment wound and that you will complete the, that conversation. Um, but I think that's something just to put a pin in, you know, just to watch unconsciously if there's an argument. It's like trying to find our point first, I think, is helpful not to not to play into those unconscious ways of being. Yeah. And it's so natural to want to be right. Yeah. It's so natural so want the other to see you and yeah. It's very understandable. Yeah. I think just taking a moment and and oftentimes someone is more prepared to make space for the other's position. Yeah. And not that we need to agree with what the other is saying, but just to really recognize it. You do that really well. Mm. You apologize really well. You want to share with people what goes on inside? Somebody asked about that. Yeah, I I think there, there was this quote at uh, at the school where we met, the University of Santa Monica, where it was like, would you, in the choice between being right and being loving, choose being loving. Mm-hmm. And and in the middle of it, it may seem the just like, got a grip. Oh. <laughs> But it, it's it's so rewarding mm-hmm. to be loving in those moments. I can always, always, without exception, look at some percentage of responsibility I have in any situation. Yes. And, and that doesn't mean that me 
taking ownership over my part diminishes your ownership, mm-hmm. right? Because that's how we justify not apologizing. It's like, well, if I apologize, it means that you, you're right and I'm wrong. Yeah. It means that you won't change. Mm-hmm. It means I'll get hurt again. It means mm-hmm. all of these things. That, but it's not my experience. I think when we apologize, it's really all about us. And I think the, the response to taking that level of responsibility, especially when it's authentic, it gives space for the other to then look at their own issues and yeah. say, okay, maybe, maybe there's, I'm, I'm no longer battling. Mm-hmm. I can, I have a little moment of self-reflection here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, it takes two to create a war. Right. Yeah. And so what I hear, even in acknowledging, I'm, I'm sorry, you're hurt. Doesn't mean that I did something wrong. I'm just, I am sorry that you're feeling that way. Yeah. And I think that can come across passive aggressive sometimes. It can be. Yeah. yeah. If it's shared that way. Yeah. Sorry, you're hurting. I, I, I like more like, it's almost like, sorry that how I, I'm showing up hurt you. Mm-hmm. Be- because then it's like, oh, I, I, I didn't intend it. And I think part of what's important with an apology and responsibility is no justification. Yeah. So because as I say, sorry of how I'm showing up hurt you, but blah, 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 100%. blah. It doesn't. It, it, it vetoes everything you just said beforehand. Yeah. 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 And it's an art to learn how to be short in your apologies. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think of third grade. Just bring it back to third grade. Mm. Simple. Mm-hmm. And even see your partner or whoever, a colleague at work or whoever it may be, as a little kid at that moment. And you're talking to their little kid because you are. Yeah, that part is usually triggered. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's something that is worth talking about is there's a difference in our mental framework or at least my mental framework and a lot of the people that I've mentored around a relationship that is a long-term committed relationship Mm -hmm. and an earlier relationship. Tell me more. I think when it's earlier, there's a part inside of our brains and that still remains even on a long-term committed relationship, but it's just more um, heightened in the beginning where it's scanning. Mm. Is this okay? Is this right? Is this how it's always going to be? Is this safe? Is Is this the right person for me? Yeah. Right, because it's it's when you do something that I don't perceive as the thing I like, yeah. when you breach some preference of mine, and I'm early in that relationship, it's going to throw all the flags, especially mm-hmm. if it's triggering. Mm-hmm. And the easiest thing to do is to compare you with some other relationship, with some other potential relationship, ideal. with some ideal, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, I'm out. Mm-hmm. And I think that continues even in long-term marriages. And, and yet I think there's, there's a, that, that voice just recognizes it's, um, just it's temporary existence in the long-term marriages. It's just like a little, little noise in the background that may come up and then eventually it doesn't come up or it may continue, but it doesn't receive the attention that I think it does earlier mm-hmm. because it, we think that we need to make a decision. Mm-hmm. See, breaking up or having a divorce with someone where you have a family is almost like it's, it's such a larger threshold, mm-hmm. right? But when you're just dating and you have very few strings, it's almost like it's very, the ego is very quick and ah, I'm, this is not working. It's a protection mechanism, safety yeah. strategy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it is important to be vigilant, particularly in dating time mm-hmm. or in early relationship time with all those ways in which we um, keep ourselves from taking ownership and leaning in. Yeah. So continuing to take ownership of your experience hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't make discernment harder. That makes discernment easier. Mm -hmm. It makes life easier. It's never about being in in your business. It's just, what's my direct experience. 
Yeah, and if I, but if I'm truly in still in a phase of not knowing if you're the one mm-hmm. for me, right? Taking ownership does not take away from my capacity to make that decision. Yeah, it creates more space for me to be able to assess how the relationship goes, how it flows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be right in order to decide not to be with someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a second. Somebody asked about that. Talking about. It. So somebody else asked on Instagram, if you and your partner have different communication styles, what's the best approach to effectively communicate? And I don't think that we need to have the same communication styles, but I do think that there are some pointers that I can share and I would love to hear yours as well around clearing conversations or having a conversation that's a little bit more sensitive. I think the first thing to be aware of is to only bring up one thing at a time. You don't want to just be like, back in 1984, this is what, you know, all the things like opening the door of all the past stuff that's unresolved. I think that's an ego trap to be overwhelmed and have disconnect. I also think asking permission and sharing context. So context could sound like, I really care about you and our relationship and something came up that I would love to clear with you. Are you open to that? So context and permission, sharing one thing at a time. And I really love nonviolent communication from what I've heard about it. It's very integrated in terms of like personal development work, taking personal responsibility. So the feedback wheel, which we mentioned in the last podcast, that essentially is four things. This is what happened. This is what that, this is the story that I made up in my mind about it. And this is what it reminded me in childhood. And this is my request. So I love that because then it's no longer putting blame or criticism on the other person is taking personal responsibility within it. And I really do think, I think we both agree that personal responsibility is one of the sexiest, strongest foundations to any relationship. So having communication styles that integrate personal responsibility, ask permission, share one thing at a time, share the context where it's like, I love you and I care about us. And something came up that I want to share with you and then have a clear request if you do have one. But anything else you want to talk about for communication styles? I think if there was one thing people could do communication-wise, it would be listening. Mm. Yeah. Like how much space can they make for the other person's experience? Mm-hmm. And and it applies to ourselves as well, right? Because when, when there's a part inside of us that's screaming, the last thing we want to do is listen. But then it becomes a screaming match, even if we're not screaming, because mm-hmm. the ends, we're totally blocked to what, what's being said. Yeah. So really, if there, if there was one thing that I think would transform relationships is the capacity to to listen from that open, loving place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people are a mirror, mm-hmm. and so you, if you open with that presence, which you do so beautifully, and you're listening with presence, not like what you're going to say or defending, but just really meeting somebody with openness, oftentimes they will mirror that. Yeah. And I think what it, what it does is that it, it doesn't become, uh, you're not in the ring with someone, Mm -hmm. right? I think when communication is hardest is when two people are, Mm -hmm. have their issues up. Mm -hmm. But if, but even if, We've, we mentioned a little bit, if you both have something up, maybe it's a good time to sort of say, hey, let's come back to this in a moment. Yeah. If you can't do that, then it's it's taking turns and taking turns is something tit tat tit tat, right? It's yeah. like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to listen for you. And that's, that takes a great level of internal emotional maturity. That's right. To be able to say, okay, I'm going to address the things that are up for me, but I know that if I try to do them at the same time as you, it's just punching each other. Yeah. If yeah. I really make space for what's going on for you and meet you there, I have much better odds at being met 
myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as we learn that with others, we also learn that with ourselves and vice versa. That's why I love this work so much. We learn to better parent ourselves, our kids, be with our colleagues, lovers. It's it's just a it's really healing from the root is a win-win. Mm-hmm. Somebody else asked about, um, okay, I like all the bad guys and the healthy guys that are right there in front of me, I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what you would say to that. Um, so the question is why do I keep getting attracted to the wrong guy Mm -hmm. and there's all these guys that I know would be better for me but I am not interested that's right I love all those people I've been both a bad guy and a good guy and (laughs) I've been both uh, I think the the part of us that, that feels not good enough, unlovable unworthy we'll look for someone that reaffirms that belief. Mm -hmm. So we'll feel attracted to someone that eventually will be unavailable, will not treat us well. I think there's wisdom in that because what it's really doing is it's saying, okay, here, this is where you need to insource and recognize that you are lovable to break that pattern because we have this confirmation bias, right? If, if some part of us really believes we're not good enough, which I think we all have to some degree, mm-hmm. then it'll find someone that just reflects that quickly. Mm-hmm. And the person that sees us as perfect, at least for some time, it's like, well, there must be something wrong with them. That's right. Because they can't see all of me. And that's not trusting. That's I don't right. trust them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think being gentle with that mm-hmm. uh, and knowing that, you can do that work outside of dating the bad boy, mm-hmm. right? You, you can actually, you probably have enough bad boy references to know how that's felt inside of yourself. Yeah. And you can tend to the part that really truly believes that there's no one that's going to love you for mm-hmm. who you are. Mm-hmm. Exactly my thoughts. That there's no wrong one or bad one, that everyone's just mirroring parts of ourselves that we haven't met and loved yet. And so rather than focusing on externally who's the right quote unquote one or the wrong one, what is coming up inside of me and how do I tend to that directly? Because as we tend to that one that doesn't feel loved or doesn't feel chosen because, you know, essentially we're probably mirroring it where it's like they're ignoring me, but then we're ignoring that part. Right. So if we can tend to that part of us and embrace that and forgive any judgments and really just love that part up, ironically, it's natural then to move on and see the person that you know is a good fit for you. But you, you know, thoughts and feelings speak a different dialect. It's like German and Chinese. They're not talking. You can't tell yourself to feel a different way. It doesn't matter what you do. If you really meet yourself emotionally, you start loving that part. It naturally, you attract different people and it comes from a really organic and authentic place. And you're no longer willing to put up with something less than you can offer yourself. Yeah. I think it's really valuable to look at patterns. Yes. And focus on the pattern, not the person. Yeah. So, so I sometimes invite people to just write down some of the qualities of previous partners. Mm-hmm. And this can be in business or, or bosses, colleagues, or yeah. romantic partners. And what are some of those things that were so hard to navigate with them? Mm-hmm. And then just like, okay, well, let's trace it back. How about the previous one and the previous one and the previous one? And we start creating a common denominator of, of things that, that highlight a pattern. It's like, okay, this is something I need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And because if, to your point, if we don't address it inside, we're just going to keep, life, life has so much 
care. Yeah. That it really wants us to heal. Yeah. I was like, let me keep on putting it in front. That's why I'm like the personal development, the healing world, the all of this to me, it's it's the best work we could do because we live freer, healthier, happier by proactively doing the work rather than reactively waiting to get triggered. And we keep thinking it was our ex-boss or ex-partner. It's like, I'm not saying what they did was right or wrong, but what I am saying is that there's an opportunity to use it to help you heal and grow and evolve. And I'm also not saying you have to be in relationship with that person to see what is mirroring inside of you. And yes, have healthy boundaries. Yes, speak your truth. And take care of those parts of you that are coming up because either the they're always the right one for right now, showing you how to love yourself whole. And I don't believe in a wrong one. I think it's all practice to, it's like everybody is our soulmate helping us evolve our souls, helping us wake up to this bigger love that we are. And what a gift when we can use it that way, then we don't feel like a victim and we don't have to try to control and manipulate something outside or dating apps or what advice. It's like, it's all a reflection. It's all going to the root. Life is so much easier that way. Yeah. And sometimes when we do heal some things, the, the, the thing that's looking to be resolved, when we can own our own lovability and worth, mm-hmm. and that's a, that's a, a word that has different meanings, part of the resolution may be Leaving. That's right. Right? That's right. It may be taking care of yourself. That's right. So even though there is no wrong one or right one, at some point it's like, oh, this is this is what is what is truly honoring of myself That's and right. the other. That's right. But it, you do it from a different place. Yeah. You know, and it's it's like anytime I'm triggered, my practice is to look with inside of me. What's getting triggered? What's the pattern? How do I tend to that part? Because as I do that, then I can still walk away. I can walk away being pissed off or at peace. And that's a gift to me. If I'm pissed off at an ex that cheated or something, they're not going to feel, because unconsciously we think being pissed off, then they're going to regret it. And then they're going to change, or then I won't get hurt again. But it doesn't actually guarantee a change of behavior, but it does guarantee that you're going to hurt if you're pissed off. And so for our own self-love to do our work, And I like to do it mentally, questioning the beliefs that I'm projecting onto them, emotionally meeting the parts of me that feel hurt or tender, and then somatically breathing into the energy that's here. So again, more of this holistic self-care way of being. Yeah. And there's great power in being pissed off, right? In in, in just really being angry. It's like, that was not okay. Boundaries got breached. Yes. And and it's a little... uh, noisy yeah it it makes little room for listening Mm -hmm. and for curiosity and for attuning to what feels right Mm -hmm. right not that it doesn't have its place yeah but if we make a decision from there um it just lacks sometimes the the clarity that comes from dealing with whatever was brought up right and the gift of someone crossing your boundaries is so rich yeah because it's likely teaching you how you probably ignored some signs mm-hmm. that are probably a pattern of you not taking care of yourself in one way or another. Mm-hmm. It shows you what's okay and what's not okay. Mm-hmm. It shows you your own power and capacity to make choices and discernment. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, in the absence of all of that static, you can see all the gifts in it and take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I remember I left an ex before you, obviously. And I, obviously, and I tried, I was like, let me run an experiment 
What happens when I keep my heart open no matter what? What happens when I don't have to bash him or be mad at him to leave? And it was honestly a little harder in the beginning, but then I really got the gift of, oh, he never gave me love and he never took it away. Hmm. I'll go deeper into it in another podcast. I got that gift and I was enjoying the breakup a lot more. I had to really feel the raw sensation of grief that I felt, but I actually move on. I moved on much quicker and I didn't have it. I don't think about them. You know, it's like I let my heart open. Whereas in high school, I was cheated on by a guy and I was so mad at him and I closed down. And I'm not saying, cause I, I think all like you're speaking to all energy and all emotions have their place. That's why I love the movie Inside Out. Like all of it is welcome. And there's a place for anger and sacred rage and all of that. But if we live there, like we want to honor it, but we don't want to live there because because it can be really taxing on us. It can. So to me, I'm just kind of, again, pitching, doing the work so that we can keep our heart and mind open. And actually it's easier when we do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I love how you said sacred rage right and and it's and there's also bitching oh yeah rage Place for all of it <laughs> at different stages and and it's powerful and that power is addictive and people yes. that touch into into that level of anger and righteousness tap into this high of like oh. and 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 but when you tap into that same level of stillness within mm-hmm. when you've done your work and you've got that clarity and you, the resolve that that comes online mm-hmm. is way more powerful That's and right. precise. That's right. It doesn't have the blunt force of anger. Or the static um, tension and, mm-hmm. and it's a different quality of energy. It's clean, it's yeah. pure, it's deep, and it's untouchable, mm. unfuckwithable. <laughs> <laughs> Versus anger is actually not that strong. Yeah, anger is looking for pushing, yeah. to punish, to yeah. hurt, to, yeah. to make right. And I think and there's it, it an may important seem like it makes right. To it. So I also just want to speak, and I know we were saying this, but there's an, especially for nice girls, there's an important piece to oh, be yeah. angered, to yeah, own it, to, to like, that's part of the healing process. We can't get to forgiveness until we honor the truth of our feelings. So, you know, I remember one time you came home and I was in somatic school. I was learning, becoming a somatic psychotherapist. And I usually go to sadness underneath the anger. And I felt rage in my body. And we were in the kitchen. I was like, <gasps> and I was just breathing into this electric, alive energy in my body. And I was like, wow, no wonder people don't, like they get addicted here. It's, it's intoxicating. It's invigorating. And as a sensation, not a story, it was beautiful and it moved through my body and I could speak what was a yes for me and what was a no, what worked for me and what didn't. But it came from that clean, still place because I didn't tend to the story of you were wrong and you did this. I, I sensed this direct experience of anger in my body, which allowed it to move through and then speak my voice to say, this doesn't work for me. Yeah. And there's a distinction right between anger and violence. A hundred percent violence being a behavior, anger mm-hmm. being a feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you for qualifying that. I think it's very normal for women to look for trust and safety through pushing. Mm. Like pushing, or can you hold pushing the edge? pressurizing, mm-hmm. right? It's almost like I will only truly surrender to you if I can show you my ugly and you don't break. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. And it's very understandable. It's like, okay, 
can can you hold for my worst? Mm -hmm. Because only until you can hold for my worst, well, then I feel comfortable enough being who I am and mm -hmm. I don't have to be managing all the time. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, there's still going to be a part of me that is always on the lookout mm -hmm. for where there's a container of you leak or break. Mm -hmm. And while there's a lot of intelligence in that, I think to all the women that are listening, it's important to know that a guy can strengthen that container. Without the pushing and the pressure? No, the pushing and the pressure is fine. Okay. But if it breaks, know that that will strengthen. So it's it's almost like resistance training, mm -hmm. right? And And if you do the hurricane and it's breaking everything, And once it breaks, everything's like, see, you couldn't hold. Yeah. It's very hard as a masculine to get, I mean, there's a capacity, but it's it's hard to strengthen that container when now it's breached and it's almost like pointed out as how breached it is. Mm -hmm. So you will do it. I'm talking to other women. You will push, you will break, but just have a little patience with the guy's capacity to continue growing mm -hmm. uh, the, the strength yes. and the flexibility of that container. And I would say as long as they're willing to grow yeah. and as long as there's intent and some progress in the direction of growth. Yeah. And that's the discernment piece. When do I stay? When do I go? Yeah. And to all the guys know that that's what your woman is doing, mm -hmm. right? It's not personal. She's pointing at all your weak spots because she's testing to make sure she can surrender. Take that as a sign of her desire to surrender into you. And so I hear some people that asking or it's like, Well, what happens? How do I know if I'm compatible with someone, right? If this is the case. And I think we get indoctrinated into this archetype and Disney fairy tale that everybody, you know, and or like knight in shining armor, they're going to be perfect. And I think it's important to understand my experience of choosing someone, because if everyone is the one helping you evolve, it's like, well, how do you choose a partner? And we'll, we'll explore a little more nuances about this. I think having shared values is important. Shared lifestyle. Um, I do think there's an onboarding of every relationship, just like you would bring on a team member. There's understanding what's important to you based on my cultural differences and yours, or based on my life experiences. This is what it means to love in my family, or this is what I learned of what love was. And so kind of speaking openly and honestly, at, in the especially in the beginning, to find each other through through that grace. But I, you know, in terms of compatibility, what do you want to share with people around? How do you know if you're compatible with someone? The image that came forward was, uh, I don't know if people know the tough mudder type of energy where you're going through these races in the mud and yeah. you're running obstacles. Like it's going to be messy. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I think it's, who do you want to get messy with? Yeah, that's right. Who, when you're in the ditch and you're about to give up, who are you going to look over? And when they're all muddy and wanting to give up as well, who, who's, who's that one that you want to be next to? And I think part of what helps clarify that is, and there's not one, right? There can be many people that, that fit that criteria. Part of what qualifies that is, are we choosing this journey with similar intentions? Do we have the basic same understanding of what this is about? Mm -hmm. because how we show up and what we do and what interests us will Change. evolve. Mm -hmm. And it's very likely that it'll take on different forms and there will be times when it's divergent from each other and mm -hmm. times where it's more parallel. Uh, 
But if we have a shared understanding of how we want to navigate all of those moments, yeah, and that we, in, for example, in our case, that we we choose to grow together, mm-hmm. and we choose to learn mm-hmm. and recognize, because that person is going to be the one that is going to find the places inside of you that need more attention. Yeah, right? and you won't find someone that doesn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're designed to bring each other stuff up. That's why you're attracted to them. I love Imago work in that way. I studied that when I became a couples therapist and I love what you're sharing because it's essentially who do you choose to project your patterns onto? Who do you choose to do the work with? Is it, is it worth it for you to do it with this person? And even if you choose to leave that person, do you, can you still get the lesson? Can you still heal that part before leaving or or leave and still do that work. I mean, at least that's my approach to it, which I've really valued and loved. Yeah, and I think part of what is what is tricky is we, we can all have this list of things that are important. Right? Yes, and and I think it's I think there are some likely non negotiables in everyone's list. For sure, getting clear between the non negotiables and and the preferences. It's important. Let's talk about it because there's some people that are like, am I asking too much or do I need to settle? So let's unpack this a little bit. Yeah. I, I think it's, what are those things that are really critical for you? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and then beyond that, within those things that are very critical, how much room is there for growth in them? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it's likely that you wouldn't have been with a smoker. Right. Mm-hmm. And that there would have been very little room for you to be with a smoker that was promising to stop smoking mm-hmm. or with someone that was abusing alcohol that was promising to stop mm-hmm. abusing. Maybe yes. But, and, but, but I think, but, but for you, integrity was really important. Integrity was important. Spiritual honoring spirituality the same way that I did was important. Emotional intelligence Emotional or at least intelligence, feeling a willingness to do the work. A willingness to, to, Those to, were non-negotiables to for me. Yeah. And I had like maybe a handful but that's about it. I'm thinking of some people that have this list and then they go on a first date and they're like, nope, not that person. Yeah. Or, or on the fifth on the date, f- <laughs> they realize that it's not, that. And, yeah. uh, which is fine. But I think it's important to notice how narrow of an opening you're making yeah. because that's, that's really control sneaking in, yes. right? That's a way of keeping us safe. Yeah. And, and it's also a way of keeping us from being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a protection mechanism because yeah. in the same breath, I would say don't settle, yeah. but I would also say that you're the one you've been waiting for. So show up in the ways that you want a partner to show up. And not only are you empowered, you're not putting too much on the relationship any longer. So it's free to blossom and show you what it wants to be as it un- unfolds. But then you also don't put up with toxic dynamics and relationships because you're showing up for yourself in a way that you you want. And so you don't need them in that same kind of gripping way. It unfolds a lot more organically and naturally. Yeah. And I think the, the room for growth in those things that are very strong preferences is also important Mm -hmm. to discern. And I don't think there's a formula for that, but how much is this person really committed to stepping up in these areas that are important to me? That's right. I think that's love. Mm-hmm. I think that's love. And I think that's an important question to be considering or talking over Valentine's Day or setting up like, you know, what are the things we love about each other? I'll post the love quiz that I have, which is amazing because it helps you understand what are my core triggers. I say I want, my conscious mind says I want tall, dark, and handsome, but my unconscious mind wants emotionally unavailable because it reminds me of my dad or whatever it is, you know, for people. 
it's a 15 minute quiz and you can do it over Valentine's day. It's really beautiful. Um, and I'll post it here below. You can do it. So you're proactively looking at it. And if you're not in relationship, it's really helpful to do as well, just to bring more awareness and then have these deeper conversations. Like how do we want to love each other through this and how do we grow together and help each other heal and do our own work? And one of the last questions I'll ask from people were, looking back, can you think of any challenges that you faced as a couple that ultimately strengthened your bond? I mean, even right now, what I think of, last night we had therapy and me being in a busy time right before I'm about to launch shows me how to tend to the parts of me that I may abandon or neglect when I get busy at work and how to love you and support your healing instead of thinking you need to be different or I need to be different. How do we tend to those parts inside of us and create that safety? It's not always easy, but I think there are always, we are sacred mirrors for each other. And we've had quite a few things that we've gone through between, you know, incorporating children were easy because they were so young, you know, six months, one and a half, three and a half when they came into my life. And so that's been a blessing and been pretty easy. I think incorporating with an ex-wife, there have been challenges with that. I think we're in a better place now than we've ever been, you know, integrating as a family, having her 10 houses away and being able to walk back and forth with the kids. Like that's so beautiful. And it took time to go through that journey together. But really, I think we have a commitment to use everything. I wonder though, if there's anything that comes up for you just to share vulnerably or honestly about us. Let me see a challenge that has strengthened our bond. Well, every challenge has strengthened our bond, but, but I think the, yeah, here's one. So it's the self-reliance piece. Yeah. Right. Because when you're busy and I am looking, being in different stages of life and I'm looking to play and yeah. you're just I've been, hold up, but I have been playing. You've been playing. This part of me wants to make sure you know I have been playing, a, been lot. playing a lot. <laughs> playing a lot. And, and yes, I hear there's, there you want more. Yeah, but I guess what I was trying to speak of is that when, when that part of the, well, I'll play on my own comes up, it, it showcases that I can both meet the part that really wants to feel desired Mm-hmm. And and I think as a byproduct of that, it becomes a stronger um, component of our relationship. Yeah, because it's not coming across as something that I need from you. Yeah, there's already a surplus. It's like okay, I choose you as the person that I want to play with right yeah. now. Yeah, and I think this is alive for us right now. This is our current edge. So just because I shared some of my tenderness around what gets triggered, so. Growing up in my household, I self-appointed, became the glue to help everyone be happy and heal and then became a licensed psychotherapist and, you know, like carried that forward. And so it's like, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll help. So that's kind of the pattern that I've played out. So if I'm not clear in the moment and I'm hearing you want more time, I'm thinking I need to do something different rather than support you in meeting that part. So it's more of like more responsibility. And so part of our work is staying awake to that pattern so that we can love those parts of us, me going into over-responsibility, you going into um, I'm not prioritizing or wanting to play so that that part feels welcomed and loved. And as we do that, ironically, we naturally, like you're the person I want to spend every moment with the person that I love them and admire the most in the world. And so it naturally, we meet without those 
patterns playing out. And of course, we're going to have patterns playing out. And the more we can see them, the more we have the right tools to, to presence that energy that's sad or questioning our value or whatever the current moment trigger is, the easier it is to feel loved because there's no amount of me showing up for that part that could really sustainably heal it. It's always our job. And I can be a loving presence to hold space and remind you. And part of our sacred contract in any romantic relationship is to bring up those triggers. It's like, I love you enough to bring this up so that you can heal it. You're welcome. And it's like, that's how it's how we're designed. And a good thing, because you were saying life loves us so much that it shows us what's still looking to be met so that we can get free. Mm. And to, to be in relationship like that is to me, the gift of a lifetime and the ways that we orient and the gifts that we've had. And so I just wanted to bring you on the podcast to share a bit more of our current edgy edginess and vulnerable, you know, our learnings and vulnerable edges, but also to answer people's questions. I think, you know, we'll continue doing this if people find value in it. But in closing, what is something that you either appreciate about me now or when we first met? So we can leave people off on a nice bow. Mm. I appreciate your level of emotional availability. Mm. Like how much you can embody whatever is true for you without denying it. And how much responsibility you can take for it at the same time. Mm -hmm. I, I've never met anyone that's able to do that the way that you do it. We Maybe can, Sienna sometimes. Yeah, our youngest. Give 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 an example so people you, have a sense of what that means. Yeah, you'll you'll be upset at something or triggered by something, and you will own it and in a way where it just becomes yours. Yeah. And if there's any feedback to anything on the outside like myself, you will own it and share. So I feel really hurt by this and I notice my the willingness, my heart wants to close down. Mm -hmm. Or I'm sorry I said that because that's not yours and I didn't like the way it came across. Yeah, or that's that's, another, that's taking responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, but I think just the way that you're able to navigate your own inner world mm -hmm. and it creates such little stickiness mm -hmm. to the outside world mm -hmm. is remarkable. Really, I mean, it's such a gift to me. Thank you. And to the world. Thank you. One of the things that I appreciate about you, there's so many. When we first fell in love, I feel like the way you loved me helped me learn to love myself that way. And I feel so safe with you. I can say anything. And I know that you will love me in that and the level of presence that you hold. And it's been so healing for me as a woman to have your level of presence and safety and integrity it has healed parts of me and I think on a personal, but also on a collective. And so I just thank you for the work that you've done because I know it makes a difference to me, to the kids, to everyone around you. I love you, baby. Thanks for being here. I love you too. Thank you so much for doing this work that changes the world, starting with yourself. It truly does make a difference. 
And if you're finding value in this podcast, a cost-free way to support us is by leaving it up to five-star review. It does mean the world to us. And as a thank you gift, we're going to send you one of the most powerful tools that you will ever discover. You're going to get behind the scenes access, showing you how to live into your full potential without letting fear hold you back from stepping into your dreams. Just head over to Apple Podcast or Spotify and leave a review now. You can take a screenshot before hitting submit and then go to alissanobriga.com forward slash podcast to upload it. And make sure to have your automatic downloads turned on wherever you listen so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes. I have so much magic I can't wait to share with you. And you can find all this information in the show notes below. But lastly, if you're on Instagram, I love connecting and hearing from you. So come on over and say hello. I'm at alissanobriga. Thank you again for being here. I cannot wait to share more with you.